I was still living on the mainland after I finished college, and my mom sent me a t-shirt from our home in Hawaii. On it, the words, it's a kako thing surrounded by a flower lei. It's a kako thing can be translated as it's a we thing. My name is Kimberly Oni, and I'm the host of this podcast, It's a We Thing. From the very beginning, I knew I wanted my friend Will to be a guest on my podcast, and I'm so glad he said yes. Will is a human resources professional, a consultant, and a trainer. We first started working together 13 years ago. Our friendship began in the parking lot at work since our assigned parking stalls were right next to each other. At the end of the day, we would talk story and catch up. I hope everyone has a friend like Will at work. Someone who helps you on a bad day, gives you a pep talk, tells you the truth when you need to hear it, and who laughs with you when you do dumb or silly things. But today, today is the day when I ask Will to be for you what he has been to me on countless occasions, a patient teacher, teaching us today about the Hawaiian word kako. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure, Kim. Aloha from home. Oh, um, my goodness. Well. Yes, I am. And I so wish that I could be with you face to face. But would you please, for the sake of our audience, just tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, where do we begin? I was born and raised on the island of Kauai. Um, and I was very privileged and honored to be Hanai, or to be taken care of by two specific Hawaiian families who nurtured me and provided me my responsibilities that I carry forth today. It is this responsibilities that is not in textbooks. It was never taught in school. It was simply... You do as I tell you to, you follow and you copy what I do. And in your time, you will discover your answers. And I feel that it is time for me to step up to the plate to pass on that experience to those that I meet. Mm. You know, it's, this is the reason why, and as always, you express it so clearly and beautifully. This is the reason why that when I thought about the meaning behind the word, I knew that it had to be you um, to share this lesson with us because as you kind of highlighted, it's something that you have to embody. It's not something that is taught in a textbook. So for the sake of um, starting at the beginning, what would be, you feel, the best starting definition for the word kako? The definition of kako is very hard to explain in, in, the, in the Western or the English context because mm. truly there is no true literal translation. I will do my best in describing that translation in our podcast today. But I'm going to take a step back. Um, you mentioned about your mom sending you a T-shirt that had a picture of a lei. And on the, the verbiage, it said, it's a kako thing. Mm -hmm. That lei is truly very symbolic. Um, and when you mentioned that, it really resonated in my ear as well as in my heart. Um, when we think of a lei or when we, when we see a lei, we see only picture-perfect pieces of flowers or ferns or greenery 
that embodies a lay. And to me, that picture-perfect lay with the best of the best flowers, the best of the best foliage, doesn't quite capture the essence of kako. Because in a kako environment, you would use even the junk pieces to make that lay. You, you will never just only pick the beautiful, the best of the best. Because that lay is a represent, it's a representation of everyone that's, that you surround yourself with. And although we would like to think that we are perfect people, we are not. Mm-hmm. And if we look at that, we should always rely on each other's strengths and positivity. And when we lean on each other for that, our wall becomes much bigger and hence we're able to move mountains. And truly that is a kako thing. That is also true even in the Western paradigm. You know, I wish there were more people that share that, that, that thought process. It does exist. I can't say it's, it's solely Hawaiian. Um, I think it's how you're raised. Mm-hmm. A good example was two years ago when I went with my partner and we explored Washington and Oregon where he lived for many, many years. You know, a lot of these people, these family actually, these extended families who have never came to Hawaii, never have any connection to Hawaii, truly demonstrated aloha. Aloha is one of the components that you need in order for it to be a kako thing. But I think there is also a lot of misunderstandings as far as aloha. Too many times I hear aloha as, oh, that person does not have any aloha for me. So why should I aloha that person? It is true to some extent because aloha is reciprocal. In the Western context, we talk about love. We talk about our relationships. That is aloha. But too many times people think aloha is one way. You cannot only give, give, give. You cannot only take, take, take. It has to be reciprocal. And a good metaphor for that is if your water faucet is leaking, if you don't address and fix that water faucet, in a big picture of things, what happens to that source of water? Your water bill probably will go up. You probably will get notifications from your board of water supply. But if there were many, many people that did that, there is no water. And without water, there is no future. So if you only think about ourselves, think about that water source. So when you talk about these are responsibilities that are not taught in school, do you think of Kako as you're teaching it to us today? Is it an obligation that we should have to one another as part of a community? Is it a mindset? Is it a lifestyle? What is it? It's all of the above. It's all of the above. When we talk about Kako and when we talk about teaching and passing on knowledge or invoking 
what you have or what a teacher sees, you know, in that individual, it's to bring it to the forefront on that student's terms so that they have their aha moments and continue on that journey with that particular knowledge. As far as teaching is concerned, though, traditionally, a teacher never gives all of his or her knowledge, and it is not taught freely to just anyone. A teacher selects their students. And that selection process is a whole other topic and another subject that can, can, I can ramble on for, for days. You know, it is not a right thing or it's not a wrong thing. It is just the way it is culturally. But when we talk, um, are things about, not specific to an individual, but things I felt that was important for you as you continued on your journey. Um, and I think you've had your aha moments and you had your aha moments very quickly. You know, it wasn't a long drag, dragged out mm. um, process for you to realize these things. But it's not necessarily important for me to tell you, Kim, I'm giving you this lesson. I'm teaching you this. I'm telling you this because of this. I don't think I've ever done that. I've given you bits and pieces of information, let you walk on your journey, and then you discover. I think there were very few instances where I told you, Kim, you need to know this because of this. Very, very seldom. You know? But truly, that is the way of how my family and, and ancestors prior taught. Mm. So for me, it is not a way that I can change that teaching pattern to compromise it to the Western standpoint. And even for me, that old ways as far as teaching, I don't just teach anybody. I don't pass on knowledge to anybody. I select, which in the Western concept, is very opposite. Mm. You know? But when, when in the old style, when you are selected to be taught, there was a lot of thinking and a lot of prayers that went into that for that selection process to be selected. You know? So even for me, these two families have no blood relations to me. To me. But to this day, I'm still recognized as part of those families. Blood quantum had nothing to do with it. You know? And the knowledge that I received was a small fragment of that families. But that is my responsibility. And when we talk about responsibility, we don't we're not talking the responsibility in the Western context where we as individuals select what we want to do and for that thirst of knowledge we go out and seek that knowledge and when one door closes you go look for another door until that door opens in the Hawaiian concept your responsibility was destined before your birth your responsibility was not something that you chose, that you wanted to do, and what you did not want to possess. If that was your responsibility, whether you like it or not, you make sure that you see to it 
to your final breath. So very different concepts, very, very different. And I think that's the best I can describe that traditional mindset mm. in, in a Western paradigm. Trying to do the same, like a little bit of translation, you know, the words that I wrote down were legacy in terms of this idea of passing one to another. Um, the word readiness also came to mind along the lines of there's a saying that when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Um, also, this concept of humility, um, you know, the, the approach or the posture of the student coming in humility to the teacher. And then the teacher also observing how the student applies faithfully what has already been taught, which I believe is probably part of not having talked to you about this before, but just in my past, you know, as a teacher in different contexts, you know, pouring into another even more than what I did before, because I saw that they were faithful to apply what was already given. Um, and so those are some of the things that come to mind as you're sharing with me, you know, thinking specifically about this teaching of Kako, what do you think is the most challenging part of really embracing this teaching? I hate to call it challenges. I hate to call it anything that's as labeled as negative. And it took me years to come to this realization, but we need to celebrate each other's differences. Because as human beings, it's so easy for us to conform to people that are very similar to us and our behavior styles and our personalities. But if we only surround ourselves with the same behaviors, same personalities, is our circle or is our lay complete? Mm. Our lay is not complete. But this is where as human beings, we have to be able to, to work, to love, to get along with a diverse group of people. I'm guilty of not doing that from many, for many, many years. And I'm still guilty of that. And when I catch myself, I have to adjust my thinking because I cannot say things if I can't practice it. If I continue to do that, then that is a reflection of my family. And that is not who my family is. So always pausing for me is, is critical. And sometimes, sometimes a pausing takes a little while for me to do and to reflect back. But as soon as my, my thoughts say, hey, something's not right here, well, stop analyze the situation, adjust what you can adjust that's in your control, and move forward. Do you think in some ways, I think about this a lot since I've moved from Hawaii to all over the place on the mainland, but some part of me feels like there is an advantage to learning this in Hawaii, not because, just because of 
just these are things that we see examples of all around us, but because there's something about living on an island in the middle of a community, part of a family where we're all kind of interconnected in such a way that's really obvious, right? Where you see how we're so interrelated that it's very hard to distance yourself from people sometimes that you don't agree with or you may not like or particularly care for. Do you feel like there's some advantages to you having learned this one at a young age and especially in the place that you grew up? For many years, I thought so. Um, there, there, two years ago, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take this conversation back to two years ago when I was in Washington and Oregon. Um, that totally changed my mind. That experience that I had blew my mind and made me think twice of what you're saying. It is much easier if you if you are immersed in a community, whether here in Hawaii or elsewhere, that has these values, that instills these values in that community. But you as an individual in that community have to be open-minded too. You know, there's another step to it in Hawaii is you can't just knock on somebody's door and expect the door to open and they shower you with their love. If you're only there to receive, 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 and you're not giving back, if things are not reciprocated, if love is not reciprocated, then eventually the door will either stay open and you're not going to feel the love or the door may close. But I think this is where it's important of being right mind when you come into some place that is new. And even for me, moving from Kauai to Oahu, I had to ensure that I did the same thing. I cannot come into Oahu with how I grew up on Kauai and expect people to accept me and embrace me for who I am. You know, I had to humble myself down. On, in Washington and Oregon, his family with no connection to Hawaii truly demonstrated aloha. Why? It is how the value and that legacy that was set forth from their ancestors that continued on to, to this day. Skin color, race, ethnicity, where it came from, none of that mattered. I think on the main end, you talk about Southern hospitality. I think that's the closest that I can describe it. And I hope I'm not insulting anyone. But in the, in the mindset of the Western world, or for those of you that live on the mainland, the first thing that came to my mind was experiencing Southern hospitality, even though I was in Washington and Oregon. You know, we come from different backgrounds. We are different ethnicities. My roots all are here on, in Hawaii. Their roots were always on the mainland, but yet they embodied tremendous aloha mm. 
know, and that's where we go back to the lay. The lay is not homogeneous. Not many people think that you can make a beautiful lay out of weeds. You truly can. <laughs> you truly can. You know? But in doing so, the creed, the lay maker has to put in their time, has to put in their, their artistic abilities. It require, requires prayer. It requires the mind to be open in order for make it to capture what they want to capture. You can have the most beautiful flowers and slap it together to create a lay, but if, if you're not in right mind, I hate to say it, but the lay may not look nice. Mm. You're reminding me of something that I've thought about on occasion, especially, like I said, having moved around. There's just some sense that we have when we know that we're welcome. And that we're embraced as we are. And I think that's part of what you experience when you and your partner travel to Washington is just knowing how welcome and how embraced you were. Um, and that's something that speaks universally, I think, especially in a, a time and a place where our culture is getting really good at highlighting differences and I think that there's purpose in that so we can learn about others who are different from us. But I think the putting back of the community is so important. And we also don't have teachers. I don't think that teaches how to do that very well, um, at least in the way that you're teaching it today. So if I were new to this mindset, lifestyle, responsibility, what are some small ways that maybe I can practice this? Some way that I could try to multiply this in the relationships around me. Is there anything that comes to mind? I know you talked about, you know, looking for opportunities to celebrate our differences. And then also practically when you experience some sense of conflict or something that doesn't seem right, that you take a moment to pause what are some ways that someone who is new to this teaching can practice kako? Gosh, that's a hard question, Kim. What I practice or try to practice, and I think this is true for all of us, at times we're put in very difficult situations or ugly situations. Through that experience, we, we need to look back at what was the, what was the reason for that situation? It, and I'm not looking at who's at fault. I'm looking at what was the situation? How did it make you feel? How does it still make you feel? Okay. Knowing that how you feel, what your experiences were, why do we want to pass it on to someone else? If we pass it on to someone else, are we any better? Are we contributing to it's a we thing? It is contributing to a we thing in a negative form, mm. but it ties back to your legacy. If, that's, if your legacy is to be that kind of person, then great. 
But if your goal and objective to leave your legacy as positive as, as possible, why do that? And I get it. As human beings, sometimes when we're hit so many times, we do become bitter. But it's a choice. It's also a choice how long we want to hold on to that situation and allow that to anchor us down in negativity. Some will say, hey, well, that's easy said than done. True. I've gone through it. There are things that I've not let go for over 20 plus years. And it took that much longer for me to realize it's not them who continue to make you upset, to continue to hurt. It's your choice, Will. So it's your choice moving forward to let it go. And let it go meaning in whatever way you need to do to cut. Whatever you need to do for you to forgive yourself from that experience. And when I talk about forgive, it's not to go up to that person and say, you're forgiven for what you did. (laughs) It's finding that solace within yourself to cut that experience from you and have no bearing and have no tie to that. So when you talk about it, when you think about it, you're not angry, you're not sad, you're not hurt anymore. That in itself is a journey. But those are, for me, things that I've done and I continue to strive to do so that that circle, that lay of mind continues to evolve and becomes more beautiful because it is that lay that I want to wear around my shoulders and hug my neck for the rest of my life. Forgive me if I mess this up because I'm thinking and, and processing in real time. But there's something about what you shared that answers one of the questions that I had in a very direct way, but in an unexpected way, in that one of the things that I'd aim to do with this podcast is viewing life as a process of learning, unlearning, and relearning. And one of the interesting things that I think you're trying to teach me, teach us about Kako, is that one of the challenges that will stand in the way of us embracing this as a lifestyle and taking this seriously as a responsibility is any wrong that's been committed against us or that we are a part of and this big idea of forgiveness that an unforgiving spirit or an unforgiving nature will stand in the way of us living Kako, is that true? In my belief and my practice, yes. But I don't feel that is universal. It is something that I do to ensure that the word in Hawaiian is kupono, to be righteous, to be as free as possible from negativity, to be as positive as possible. Anything we do, anything we touch, anything we say, 
if we have any ill intentions, it we then if we haven't healed completely, then what do we put in as one of those ingredients in what we deliver? It's unintentional negativity, but it's still negativity. In this practice and in this chapter where receiving this knowledge, applying it, making my mistakes for many, many years, and coming to my aha moment was key. And I can truly say that when I had my aha moments and when I started to make changes, life has been so much more simpler. You know, I cannot say that it's always going to be a kako thing in everything in life. You know, there are things that I try and I try and I try, but I trying alone and the other person or the other party is not doing their part. There's no reciprocation. But if I continue to try and it doesn't work, then I have to step away. And for me in those situations, as long as I know I've given more than 100%, then it's time to walk away. It's time to say, okay, enough of this assignment for now. I'll step away. Maybe I come back and revisit this in the future. When? I don't have a benchmark for that. But in my heart, I will know when. But I cannot say, and I cannot preach this upon anybody to buy this idea. Because if, if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work. And it's okay. I'm okay with but for me, it works. The old will was very bitter. The old will would seek revenge. But what I noticed when I look back is when I do that, when I did those things, I still was miserable. Is when when time was you keep on seeking revenge you, seek, you keep on seeking justice to happen has it made you happy has it put any closure how come I, why are you feeling the same way so for me that that style and that method did not work it did not resonate any positivity for me my life was still miserable. And when I think back to what my family had shared with me time and time and again since I was little, it made sense. And it wasn't truly their responsibility to tell me, this is why I'm telling you this. This is how you apply this to life. No, in your time, Will, on your journey, you will figure this out. And this is why that style of learning is something that I keep through to this day. I do not change that learning style. I think it's so appropriate that earlier you used the word pause. Um, I also wrote down the phrase that you use, a reflection of your family, right? To honor not just what you were taught, but also who they helped create you to be, I guess. Um, so 
I think I know how I would answer this, but I want to know how you would answer it. The question that comes to mind for me is what opportunities, what benefits exist for our families and then outside our families, our communities? What are the opportunities and benefits that exist as we grow in our understanding of Kako? Again, this is my thoughts. This is my idea. I'm not mentioning it. I'm not answering it for a debate to occur after the podcast. But simply to answer that question. And I'm not pointing fingers at any specific individuals or groups. And I look at it from a human standpoint. It's easy for us as human beings to complain and bicker about things. But complaining and grumbling about it, are we part of the problem? Or are we making a difference? And you can look at both as a kako thing too. You know, there are certain things that I may not agree with. But as, as my family told me, you have nothing better to say, well, keep your mouth shut. <laughs> Why throw things of negativity out into the element only for it to manifest itself or make, or make the thing much bigger than what it is? And it should be. It shouldn't be. You know? Or if it's something you can do to pitch in to make it better, then do something about it. But it's the mindset of what is in your control and what is out of your control. And what's in your control is something you can change and you can make do. But if it's not in your control and there's nothing you can absolutely do about it, then why let it bother you? You know, That started off when I was little. That didn't make sense. Mm -hmm. But I have a wonderful mentor who still continues to be my mentor. This individual um, is younger than I am. And this individual never gave up for many, many years and kept on repeating that lesson over and over. And sometimes it was day after day. So some of my teachers are not older than I am. Some of my teachers are younger than I am. So for me, I look at is it worthwhile saying anything more negative than what people are already saying? Or if I do, I'll say it within a close knit of people behind closed doors and be done. Pow. No more talk about it. Another great mentor and a great friend of mine also told me, you know, Will, yes, we've been raised to say it's okay to have negative thoughts in our heads. But she said, take it one step further. Why even have those negative thoughts in your head? Because it's going to leak out of you in one way or another. You know, and our concept as far as that in the Hawaiian traditional standpoint, we are blended with the Western world. It's, we're raised firsthand in the Western world. You know, that keeping your mouth shut and keeping that negative thought in your head 
is harder to do to A, which is true. So as soon as I feel negativity, I will try to either say stop. That's not your responsibility. That's not your problem. Let it go before it starts to manifest. Hard to do, but I strive to do. I think that's the part of the unlearning and relearning, just practicing, right? time and time again. I really appreciate your time and you sharing with me, with us, because I think there are so many different ways to reflect on all that you said. I think as we look at um, wrapping up our time together, which it always goes by so quickly, um, I'm reminded of what you were talking about with the lay, that even the junk pieces are important to our lay, not just the best of the best. And I think of the, you know, the mass produced lay that you can order for, you know. An arm and a leg. <laughs> you know, and, and I think about when you take it out of the box and how you're looking for perfection, but there's something that I find myself thinking a lot about, and it's the difference between something looking good and something being good. And those are two different things, especially now. And so when I think back on my own question about what opportunities and benefits exist for our families and communities as we grow in our understanding of Kako, I think for me, one of the things that bubbles up to the surface, or as you call it, you know, comes to the forefront, is that when we really grow in our understanding of Kako as a we thing, we don't just create things that look good. We create things that are, are good with all of the differences, with all of the diversity, with all of the differences of opinion, and even sometimes the conflict. And so I really appreciate the time that you took. Um, I knew that I knew that I knew that when I did this, that you had to be a part of it. Um, so I thank you. And I know that this won't be the end of the conversation. And as I come up with more crazy ideas, because you are such a patient friend, that I hope that if I come up with another idea and I need your help explaining it, that you will um, once again be a guest on this podcast. Would you be willing to do that? The door <laughs> no is pressure. always open to you. <laughs> the door is always open. You may not be home though, right? <laughs> you can be knocking and sometimes I mean not answer. Because it might not be the time for it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. See, this is the thing that I was hoping that you would do is to share your honest perspective and your authentic teaching style that I just love and appreciate so much. So thank you so much for your time, Will. Um, my aloha and blessings to you and Jamie. Um, for all of you who are listening, I hope that you are blessed from learning from and um just hearing from my brother, Will. Please make sure to subscribe to this podcast and stay tuned for more. Until next time, aloha. Thank you, Will. Aloha. aloha.